Praise the Lord. It's a joy to share the Word of God with you today. We're so thankful to be gathered together in God's presence. Thank you for your patience, all who come to drive in church and come and gather as the people of the Lord. We trust that restrictions will be lifted soon and we'll all be able to worship and rejoice together under one roof soon. Well, it's a day to receive from God today. It's the Lord's day, day of his presence. What a privilege to gather to the holy mountain, the presence of the Lord. Today we come under the blood, the water, and the oil. We need the cleansing blood of Christ upon our lives. We need the washing of the water by the word, the Lord washing us. Our feet get dusty as we make our way through this world, but there's a washing that comes by the word of God, and then how we need the precious ointment, the oil of the Holy Spirit. It's a fragrant oil. It has the fruit of the Spirit, and it has the graces of Jesus Christ in it. We're so thankful that we are God's holy nation, one people gathered together out of every kindred, tribe, tongue, and nation, one people under God to serve him together, one body in Christ. Today I want to speak on the subject, the marriage of the king's son. <clears throat> the marriage of the king's son. There are two primary passages in the word of God that I want to relate to today. The one that you might recognize from that title is Matthew 22, where it is, talks about the parable of the king's son. But the other is Revelation 19, and I want to begin there. Revelation 19, verses 1 to 9. If you have your Bible with you or a Bible app, please take in these words of the Lord and receive them today. Revelation 19, 1 to 9. After these things, so we've come to the end of time. After these things, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, <clears throat> salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. <clears throat> because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they say, Alleluia. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, Amen, Alleluia. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints, the righteous deeds of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. One day the present evil age will be over. One day the end of time will have come and the great day of the Lord will have been ushered in. We're reading about that in Revelation 19. And even now, as Peter 
writes, we are looking for and hasting unto the coming of the great day of God. We are quickening our pace. We are running in anticipation of heaven, of eternal life, to be with Jesus Christ forever. We're forgetting those things which are behind, reaching unto those things which are before, pressing on to the upward call, the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. This world is not our home. Ultimately, in the Word of God, there are only two cities that are important. One is the New Jerusalem, and the other is Babylon. The New Jerusalem is the holy city of God. It's the heavenly city. It's the bride of Christ, the holy bride of Christ. And the other city is Babylon. It's the evil world system. It's the harlot bride of Satan. And we are either citizens of one or the other. Babylon is already burning. Babylon is already burning. The fires of judgment are kindled in her, and we can see it before our eyes. And the smoke, the Bible says, of Babylon will go up forever and ever. It'll be an eternal destruction. This is something of everlasting consequence. Babylon is burning, and heaven is rejoicing. Revelation 19 takes us to the end of time. To the end of time. Babylon is burning. Heaven is rejoicing. The separation has come. Now the verse in chapter 19 and verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give God glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. The preparation of the bride, the preparation of our lives to go and be with the Lord. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. The righteous acts of the saints. This is an outward righteousness. This is a righteousness that now is manifested <clears throat> in deeds and actions and words. A bride of Christ that is righteous in her dealings, in her motivations, in her actions. There are two kinds of righteousness in the Word of God. One is a righteousness inwardly, and the second is the righteousness outwardly. There is a righteousness that is worked within us, and there is a righteousness that must be worked out in us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Work out your salvation, for it is God who works in you, so we understand the two aspects. One is our salvation. The other is our sanctification. We have no righteousness of our own. There is none righteous. No, not one. But when we accept Jesus Christ, the righteousness of Christ is imputed to our lives. It is gifted upon us. And once we receive that by the word and by the spirit and by our willing cooperation with the Lord, we begin to work out the righteousness of God. This bride in Revelation 19 has received righteousness within and has worked out righteousness without, saved and sanctified. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We understand that we must make ourselves ready that there's a preparation that's involved in our lives, as the scripture has said, that, which we just read. Her, his wife has made herself ready. 
We understand the great responsibility and obligation of our lives to work with the Lord, to perfect holiness in the fear of God. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11:2 said these words, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. The apostle, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. He says this is the jealousy of God. This is the desire and zeal of God for his bride. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He said there's a marriage coming, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when we go to be with the Lord at the end of time. But he said, right now, you're, you're to be a chaste virgin, and you are to prepare yourself for the coming of the Lord. Paul has in mind the usual marriage custom, and it's very similar to ours in its three basic elements. There was a betrothal or engagement, then a time of preparation, and then the marriage and reception, the marriage feast. These three parts to it, engagement, preparation, marriage. We still follow that today. Now in those days, it's spoken of a betrothal. The only real difference between the custom of that day and ours is that betrothal was binding. That when a young couple made decision to give their lives to one another into marriage, the engagement or betrothal was binding and could only be broken by legal divorce, by divorce papers. In our day, our engagement isn't so. But that is the only difference, really, in these three stages of marriage custom. And we understand the betrothal, the preparation, and then the marriage. In between the engagement or betrothal is a time of preparation for the prospective couple. They're all making arrangements. They're preparing. They're getting ready for that great day. And they're keeping themselves pure and holy. They're zealous for one another for that marriage day. In Scripture, we have an example in the life of Joseph and Mary, where the Bible says that Mary was betrothed unto Joseph, betrothed unto Joseph, but she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph didn't know that the child was of the Holy Spirit, and when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he was devastated and distraught, but he was a kind man. And so he sought a way that he would not bring her to public shame and make a public spectacle of her, but that somehow privately he would be able to go through with the divorce of the betrothal. But while he thought on these things and wondered how he could proceed. He received a dream one night from an angel of the Lord, and the angel brought understanding. Say, well, why didn't the angel come right at the beginning? Same time an angel appeared to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit, and why didn't an angel come immediately to Joseph so he wouldn't have to go through that turmoil, all that angst, all that disruption in his life? And the answer is, I don't know. Ask God. But one thing I know is that God doesn't have to satisfy my answers according to my schedule. He's got his schedule, and he'll work things out. Now, the Apostle Paul said, I've espoused you 
to one husband as a chaste virgin to Christ. He said the day that you accepted Christ, the day that you were saved and you sealed that allegiance to Christ in the waters of baptism, you became betrothed to Christ. And he said, now is a time of preparation. The marriage is coming. We're going to be with the Lord. But he said, now, guard your purity. You've been made clean. When you accepted Christ, you became a chaste virgin under Christ. You were made holy. You were made clean. Don't let anything defile you. Don't let go of your vows. Hold on to your vows. Hold on to your purity. Do everything you can now to keep yourself undefiled. Don't backslide. Don't fall into temptation. Don't pick up the spirit of this world. Don't serve the idols of self and sin. Keep yourself pure unto your husband, Jesus Christ. The marriage supper of the Lamb is coming. It's not far away for any one of us. Only a few years and we'll be in the presence of the Lord. Let's keep ourselves holy. Let's keep ourselves pure for Jesus Christ that we might present, be presented as a chaste virgin unto our Lord. Ephesians 5 tells us that Christ right now, as he loves us and cares for us, that he is washing us with the washing of water by the word. He's cleansing, he's sanctifying us, that we would be without spot or wrinkle, that our garments, our wedding garments, would have not one spot of sin not one wrinkle, some ingrained habit of the flesh that has now been pressed into our life, but we would keep our garments pure and holy, prepared as a bride, adorned for her groom. Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. A preparation. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. He has clothed me with the garments of salvation and covered me with a robe of righteousness. Now we turn to Matthew chapter 22. So Revelation 19, the marriage of the Lamb, and Matthew 22, this great parable spoken by the Lord, the marriage of the king's son. I'm going to read through this passage and then comment through it afterward. Verse 1, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. The king obviously is Father God, and the son is Jesus Christ. And the bride is the people who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. Again, he sent out other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious and he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. 
Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The marriage of the king's son, this parable taught by Jesus just a few days before he went to crucifixion. It is the gospel call to the nations of the world, to all people. The gospel is God offers sinful people eternal life. That's the gospel. God offers sinful people eternal life. And the messengers go out. The servants of the king have gone out into the earth since the beginning of time, since the gates of Eden. The servants of the Lord have gone out to invite the people to the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Gospel messengers and ministers, soul winners. And there are different responses from different groups of people. And some of the responses are given to us in this parable. Verse 2 says, or verse 3 says, The king sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. There are some people that are simply not interested in spiritual matters. They're simply not interested. They're, there's a pale of indifference over them. They, they're not interested in the Bible, God, Jesus. They're, they're not even willing to expend the time to investigate spiritual matters. Life in this earth, eternal life, everlasting life. What happens to me after I die? Just recently, and it's happened a few times in my life, I was talking to one man and trying to gained some interest to talk about the gospel, he shrugged his shoulders and said to me, really, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. He said, my family didn't, wasn't involved in any kind of religion. My grandfather wasn't. I'm not. He said, I'm not interested. There are some who simply are not interested. They're not willing to come. Jesus said, there are some who love darkness rather than light and therefore they won't come. There are some, when you talk to them about the gospel and the living a life for Christ and the Bible and holiness and walking properly in the earth, they, they are not interested. They, they love the idols of sin. They can't imagine giving up sin and immorality and partying and what the pleasures of the flesh allow. The pleasures of sin for a season. Sin is fun, or people wouldn't do it. And some love darkness rather than light, and therefore they turn from the message of the gospel and from the house of God. Verse 6, another group of people. Again, he sent out other servants, say, tell those who are invited, see, I've prepared, come to the wedding. But these made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. 
the two broad classifications of people, the countryman and the city man. And some are too caught up in this life. They, don't, they have no time. This is the group that has no time for church, for the Lord. They are busy making a life in this world, carving out life in this world. I've got to go to my farm. I've got to go to my business. I'm spending all my time carving out a life in this world. I labor hard all week long. Weekends are mine. I need to rest. I need to have recreation. Sports on the weekend, recreation on the weekend. I don't have time. I'm too busy if involved with my business. I don't have time for the Lord. My, my heart breaks Sunday after Sunday as I drive out of my neighborhood through the suburbs and there's not a stir hardly a stir of people going to church, rising up to go to the house of God. One went to his farm, another went to his business. Verse 6 says, and the rest seized his servants. Now there are some who are indifferent, passive, but there are some who are resistors of the gospel, persecutors of the gospel. They're agitated. They hate the Bible. They hate Jesus. The rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. There are some that persecute the gospel. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. He sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. Jesus is referencing, referencing obviously, the Jewish nation of his day. How that Father God had sent prophets and apostles priests and kings and servants over many, many centuries to draw them to the feast. But now, even at the end, they would come and destroy Jesus Christ, put him to the cross, and they would persecute and martyr some of the early apostles. And Jesus said, there's a day coming when this city will burn to the ground. And we know that happened in one generation because Jesus said there's one generation and then all these things I've spoken will come on this people. And for 40 years the Lord allowed in Jerusalem and Judea the message of the gospel to be heard. But because of the rejection, the Bible says in AD 70, the Romans came and they destroyed the city of Jerusalem. They burned up the city. And that judgment on Jerusalem, that fire on Jerusalem became an example an example of the divine judgment that would overtake all in due time who do not believe and follow Jesus Christ. The fires of eternity, Gehenna or hell. Verse 8, then he said to his servants, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go out into the highways and as many as you find invite to the wedding. So the servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. This is the gospel call to all nations of the world. The Lord said, go out into the highways, servants of the Lord, ministers, preachers of the gospel, soul winners and evangelists. Go, in, go out into the highways and preach the gospel. The highways were the main roads that led in and out of the city. And there the people would come. A city is a place where people are always coming and going. People coming from all, all parts of the land, and they're coming some for pleasure, some for business, some for recreation, coming for shopping. The highways to the city 
are represented as being filled with people. And the Lord says, go out into those highways and, and tell the people that are coming to the cities, tell them there's a wedding of the king's son. Everything is prepared. You can come and attend the royal feast today. They might say, well, I have no wedding garment. I, I have nothing to wear. I'm, I'm not fit to come to the king's presence. I can't come to the marriage. And the servants would say to them, no problem, no worries, because the king has provided a wedding garment for you. The king has provided a wedding garment for you. It was the custom of kings in those days that if they put on a royal feast and a banquet or a marriage, that they would have pr provide the attire for the guests. These guests that come from all parts of the land are not represented as going out to their distant homes to somehow try and find a garment that might be acceptable attire for the king's wedding feast. The king said, I'll take care of the wedding garment because you don't have the means to provide it on your own. And I want my feast elaborate. I want my feast mag magnificent and glorious. So the king would provide the wedding garment. And so the people came. They received the wedding garment, the salvation of Christ. And the Bible says they were gathered into the wedding hall, the guests, bad and good. Bad and good. There are bad sinners and there are good sinners. But sinners all. There are some who are bad sinners and they readily acknowledge it. They have been destructive in society. They have been exceeding sinful. They have broken the laws and the ethics. They are not what you would say are good citizens. They've lived a life of sin and they know it. Those are bad sinners. And then there are good sinners. People who are good citizens. They have a good reputation in the community. They, they wouldn't do anything evil. They, they are fine, upstanding citizens. They are good people, morally, morally good. But the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Bad sinners or good sinners all need the wedding garment from the Lord. All need salvation in Jesus Christ. And so these good and bad sinners received the salvation. They received the wedding garment and they came into the feast. And they were rejoicing in the feast of the marriage of the king's son. And then the king came in, verse 14 or 11 says, to see the guests, to come to rejoice with them, to make the rounds from table to table, to make sure everyone was enjoying the feast, the celebration, rejoicing in the fellowship, rejoicing in the grandness of the king's feast. And the king came in to see the guests, but he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend. Now in our translation, we have the word friend, but the word friend is not quite as friendly as the translation should allow. And that's why some translations have fellow. It was a little stern. He said to him, fellow. How did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Here was a person, this represents those who try to get into heaven on their own merit, their own righteousness, their own goodness. Well, I'm a good person. I, have, I don't hurt anybody. I'm a good citizen. I try to do good. The Bible says that our own goodness is as filthy rags. 
Here was a man who tried to come in on his own attire, his own goodness, his own merit. Here was somebody who refused to change, refused to take the wedding garment provided by the king. And we see the action of the Lord. The king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Hell, eternal destruction. The Bible calls everlasting destruction and punishment. There's only one way in to the feast. There's only one way into the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that is the proper wedding garment, which is Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Jesus Christ and his righteousness imputed on us. He became our righteousness, and righteousness worked out in us, imparted, revealed, a people that are prepared for their Lord, holy and true, a people saved and sanctified in the name of Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, many are called, but few are chosen. Those who are called are those who hear the gospel. Those who are chosen are those who heed the gospel. Romans 13, 14. Worship team, please come. Scripture says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the wedding garment, inwardly and outwardly. Righteousness worked within, righteousness worked without. And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. If you're here today and you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, rejoice that you're called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. John was told to write, blessed are those that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, to the feast of Jesus Christ, to his salvation, to heaven. If you know you belong to the Lord, you can rejoice every day. You're clothed in the garments of salvation. You're covered with the robe of righteousness. Now keep your life pure. Keep your life holy. Honor your vows. Honor your spiritual virginity. Honor your cleanness before the Lord in purity and say, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to save myself for my husband, Jesus Christ. I'm going to appear before him without spot, without wrinkle, without sin, without defilement. I'm going to work out righteousness in the fear of the Lord. I'm going to live every day in the presence of God. I'm going to live every day cleansing every spot, every defilement that would come upon my words, my attitude, my spirit, my relationships. I'm going to keep myself clean for the Lord. The marriage supper of the Lamb is soon before us. Not many years, not much time that any of us have. Let's prepare ourselves as a chaste virgin for our Lord. For those today that are here that do not know the Lord, there's only one wedding garment that you can be clothed in to be accepted into heaven, and that is Jesus Christ, Savior and Lord. No other garment will suffice. No other garment is appropriate. No other garment will be accepted. Jesus Christ is Savior and Lord. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Savior, the Bible calls once again. The invitation goes out to you. Would you accept Jesus today? Bow your knee to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Cleanse me, forgive me. 
Wash away my sin. Make me your child. Make me clean. Make me pure. I give myself to you. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior or show interest in the gospel, if you're in the drive-in church, please put on your emergency flashers. Parking lot attendants will be there to go down the lanes of the parking lot and they will bring a Bible and take note of you this morning, of your decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's pray together today. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to heaven, to a place of rejoicing, Lord. Lord, even now as we look upon our world, we know Babylon is burning, but heaven is rejoicing. We're of another kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is different. The kingdom of heaven is like unto a king that made a marriage for his son. And so this morning, Lord, we're lifted up into a heavenly dignity and position. We're lifted up into your glory, into your mind, into your spirit. And we thank you for our eternal salvation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. As the worship team closes out today.